for joining us, everybody. Another edition of the We Tackle Life podcast. Ruth Hooley with you, and we will react to Ohio State and Clemson and the teams that we said would be meeting in the college football playoff this season. We said it in uh, September, even when we thought Ohio State might not have a season. If they ever had a season, we said it would end up with them playing Clemson. I thought it'd be for the national championship, but it turns out you can't win it without playing each other. Whoever survives their January the 1st meeting in the Sugar Bowl in New Orleans will play for the national title against the winner of Alabama and Notre Dame. Alabama is going to be a double-digit favorite in that one, probably because people remember the last time those two teams met in the national championship game, and it was ugly. And Notre Dame has tried to recruit better, bigger, faster guys along the line of scrimmage, showed up in their regular season win over Clemson, didn't show up in their ACC championship matchup against Clemson on Saturday. Of course, Trevor Lawrence sat out the game in South Bend because of COVID protocols, and Trevor Lawrence was back on Saturday, and it's obvious Clemson is a lot better all over the place. Offense, defense everywhere with Trevor Lawrence out there. An alpha quarterback can do that for a team's mojo. Travis Etienne is way better when Trevor Lawrence is there, and even though the uh, Tigers don't have T. Higgins now playing for the Bengals or Justin Ross, who's out with a neck injury. Uh, they're still very, very deep on offense, and they're going to be a big-time test for an Ohio State defense. That I don't think is, I don't think anybody would argue Ohio State's defense is not as good as it was a year ago, uh, and that's to be understood. I mean, you lose Chase Young and you lose Jeff Okuda, and not to mention some of the other guys that they lost, uh, including Damon Arnett, who's a first-rounder, and Jordan Fuller, who's playing in the NFL, Robert Landers and uh, Devon Hamilton up front. I mean, I think Ohio State's still pretty good, uh, I think Ohio State's linebackers this year might be better. They were really not very good at all in last year's semifinal, which was 29-23 Clemson. Um, so this will be a really interesting matchup because I don't think Clemson is quite as good on offense, but Ohio State is not nearly as good on defense. Clemson's defense, I think, is a tad better just because its defensive line is better. But um, Ohio State's offense, I don't think, is quite as good as it was a year ago just because of J.K. Dobbins. Although I say that in the aftermath of Trey Sermon Saturday looking very J.K. Dobbins-like in Ohio State's 22-10 win over Northwestern. So this is going to be a fascinating matchup, and I'm glad we don't have to wait three weeks for it. Uh, It's just a little over, what, 10 days away? As we sit here today, the Monday before Christmas, they're going to be playing this Friday. It'll be a week from Friday. Uh, you know, they get, get to Friday, get to Christmas Day. They're going to be playing on January the 1st. But we still have some unknowns about this one. When they announced the birth yesterday, ESPN reported that the Big Ten is changing. It's COVID protocols, which um, this is really what's going to be worth watching over the next week. And I expect an announcement Monday. Today, most likely you're listening to this on Monday as I record it late Sunday night. Adam Rittenberg of ESPN reported that the Big Ten rule where you have to sit 21 days after a positive test is going to be changed, adjusted, amended to 17 days. Okay. I understand why everybody wants this to happen because you don't want Ohio State in the playoff without Chris Olave and without Baron Browning. But it just underscores how horrible of a job Kevin Warren did and the Big Ten office did and the Big Ten athletic directors did trying to 
show everyone how uber super careful they were going to be by doubling what other conferences did. Oh, really? You think you're taking care of your players by making them sit 10 days? We'll show you how much we care about our players. We'll sit our players 21 days. And the whole fall de roll over myocarditis and this swollen heart muscle given COVID, and we always have to like legislate for the extremes rather than the norms, drove me crazy in August. It, drives, it drove me crazy in September. It drove me crazy in October that we had to wait six weeks to play football. And the Big Ten... I think the the thing about Ohio State getting in the playoff, I really think if Ohio State hadn't gotten in at 6 and 0, I really think Kevin Warren would have not survived because the Ohio State fans would have been justifiably angry. And I think Texas A&M fans and Cincinnati fans are justifiably angry that they didn't get in because there's a myriad reasons for this, okay? Number 1 in no galaxy is beating Northwestern and Indiana even this year as close to as impressive as doing what Texas A&M and Cincinnati did. It just isn't. Cincinnati, what are they, 10-0? and And Texas A&M's 9-1? That, and with a win over Florida? That's more impressive than what Ohio State did. If Ohio State, and I don't understand why Ohio State didn't play Illinois. I, I mean, I know the reason was, well, we're trying to keep the COVID numbers under control. If you get a chance to play this year, you should have played that game because Ohio State could beat Illinois six ways to Sunday. They put a freshman team out there. So that game should have been played, okay? That game was not called off. Ohio State chose not to play it. And that's why it was called off. So I hate this for Cincinnati because they did everything a program is supposed to do. They're a really good football team. Bottom line, do I think they beat Ohio State? No, I don't. But... Do I think they beat Texas A&M? I don't know. Big game. Um, You have to put the four in that you put in because Ohio State got in because it's Ohio State. Let's face it. I mean, it got in because it's Ohio State. And when Ohio State gets into the playoff, this is the second time it's gotten in because it's Ohio State and the other teams aren't Ohio State. And if you're an Ohio State fan, you're like, yeah, too bad for you. But... It really would stink if you are a school that doesn't have the brand and the TV ratings of Ohio State. Now, Ohio State could get in there and acquit itself very well like it did in 2014, get in there and win the whole shooting match. And then it'll be like, see, we do belong in there. But any team could get in there and win the whole shooting match. I mean, Texas A&M might get in there and win the whole thing. So, and I don't know. I don't watch Oklahoma because I can't stand defense, defenseless football. But according to Herbie, Oklahoma's playing as well as anybody right now. I don't know if they are or not. I just think this would have been a great year to either not have the playoff or have it expand to eight. It's a, it's a weird year, right? I mean, you were, when the Big Ten and the Pac-12 didn't play until late October, early November, they should have seen that coming and said, all right, listen, this year it's just going to be whacked. It's going to be weird. We're just going to, we're not going to play it. Or we're going to, we're going to expand it. And we're going to play, and that would have been a great test case, right? Win your conference championship, and we're going to take Power Five conference champs and three at-larges, and we're going to play. That would have been the fair way to do it the Power 5 team, or whatever. I just think this whole... Kevin Warren's got to go, man. And his virtue signaling on this season, done, I think, to make some kind of social statement, um, he 
is going to skate on this because he gr- he greased the skids for Ohio State to play the easiest schedule possible. That's another thing. The Big Ten did that they didn't need to do. Like, it's laughable, the schedule they gave Ohio State in the crossover games. Like, they get Illinois and Nebraska. They don't get any of the teams in the West that were rated in the top 25 at the start of the year. They don't get Minnesota. They don't get Iowa. They don't get Wisconsin. They don't get Northwestern. I don't think Northwestern was rated, but... Minnesota, Iowa, Wisconsin. You got to have them play one of those teams in a crossover. They play Illinois and Nebraska. It was obvious they were like, here, here, Ohio State, take it, take the playoff berth. It was just so transparent and just so feeble. And it ends up, Ohio State can stand on its own merits. They need Kevin Warren's lousy help. So they didn't do Ohio State any favors with that. You don't want to make your champion look like it's afraid of playing or hasn't played. Give them. They can handle that all day long. So we'll see. Justin Fields' thumb, who knows how that is. He looked bad on Saturday throwing the football, but they were clearly missing Chris Olave, and I never felt like, uh, eh, did I ever feel like Northwestern was going to win the game? When, they, well, when it was 10-3, to 3, yeah, maybe. But uh, And when Ohio State just kept blowing opportunity after opportunity. Yeah, but... Um, I expected them to cover. They didn't cover, so I was wrong on that. But uh, I just, the thing is, I'm torn between Ohio State deserves to be in. They're definitely one of the best four, okay? Body of work-wise, Cincinnati deserves to be in, and A&M deserves to be in, and Notre Dame deserves to be in, and they do. They do. Look, you can say Notre Dame beat Clemson without Trevor Lawrence. It ain't like DJ Uyunglele played horrible in that game. He threw for like 433 yards. Clemson turned it over once on a scoop and score, and ETN couldn't run the ball. Notre Dame won that game fair and square in the trenches that night in South Bend. So you can't devalue that win by saying, well, you lost to them the second time you played them. Yeah, well, we beat them, too. We threw haymakers, they threw haymakers, and we beat them. So I don't know who I'm going to pick. I'm I'm not going to pick Notre Dame to beat Bama because I just watched Bama, and they're just a scoring machine. Um. But Bama's center's out now, and that that's a big loss. That dude, that dude is uh, the guy that sets the tone for Bama in the middle, and Notre Dame is not bad on the line, so that's a big loss for Bama, losing their center. So we'll see, you know, Mac Jones, Devontae Smith, Nanji Harris. Man, they are loaded. That The most impressive single play of college football that I saw this weekend was Mac Jones threw an interception against Florida, and I think it's the kid's name is Michi. He wears number eight for Florida for uh, Bama, wide receiver. He hit that Florida DB with the he, who intercepted the pass. He hit that dude so hard. I think that guy's still feeling that. They should play number eight on defense, except they already got a number eight on defense. So Bama's defense is not very good. Uh, could Notre Dame score enough to beat them? Yeah, yeah, they could. If Bama put it on the ground a bunch, yeah, they could. So um, we'll see. Buckeyes will play the second game on New Year's Eve. New Year's New Year's Day. New Year's Day. New Year's Day. My bad. They will play the second game. Sugar Bowl after the Rose Bowl, which will be played in Dallas because the California governor is, uh, you know, captain lockdown and nothing can happen in L.A. with spectators. And uh, so the Rose Bowl, this is kind of the last official... <laughs> the last official recognition that the Rose Bowl does not run college football anymore, that they're making it move to Dallas. 
<laughs> out of that beautiful stadium with the mountains and all that to Jerry's World, which is the epitome of modern, you know, l- gratuitous largesse in football. So that's uh, that's very very interesting to me. Uh, remember. Christmas is coming, and the new year is now coming because shipping, I would imagine, is a jackpot for everybody around Christmas. Please patronize our sponsors, Hemisphere Coffee Roasters. They do so many great things throughout the world for the growers that they buy their coffee from, and you become a fan because you've tried their coffee. If you haven't tried it yet, please do. Just give it a shot. HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. I think we have another half-price deal coming soon on uh, 98.9 The Answer for Hemisphere Coffee where you spend 15 spend. 15 bucks and you get a $30 gift card. Can't hold me to that yet. We don't have it going right now in the discount shopping club, but I know whatever you buy from Hemisphere, you'll absolutely love. And they have Christmas flavors. Java Jingle, Mistletoe Mocha, White Christmas, and a Christmas blend. So get it light, medium, dark roast. K-Cups. Send a 15 variety pack of K-Cups to somebody for a corporate gift. Send roast coffee. Send whole bean coffee. But please patronize Hemisphere Coffee Roasters as uh, they've been great to us, and we want to continue to be great to them. I'm torn between, as I said earlier, wanting to see Ohio State get in, even though I do think six games is, boy, six games versus teams that have played 10 is really, it's, it's, I don't know if it's an advantage or a disadvantage. I could see it either way. And I've asked people in the NFL and I've asked people that I know in college who are, you know, pretty knowledgeable people. What do you think? Is it an advantage for Ohio State to play six or a disadvantage for Ohio State to play six? The disadvantage side would be you don't have as much chance to practice, improve, spot weaknesses, hone your skills. The advantage would be you haven't been hit as much and you're not hurt as bad and you're fresh. And the viewpoints are split. People, no consensus on whether it's an advantage or a disadvantage. I do have, I do, so I do not really have a, a, an opinion on that right now. I think we'll get a greater clarity on that after we watch OSU play Clemson. After we watch them play Clemson, will, will it be the knockdown, dragout, heavyweight battle that last year's was in the Fiesta Bowl? Uh, will one team, you know, dominate the other? And if it's Ohio State, we'll say, yeah, sure, they were fresher. And if it's Clemson, we'll say, well, yeah, they had more practice. And, they, you know, they were on a roll. Ohio State was up and down and valley stop and start and stop and start. So I think that's the game that will tell us what we have. Here's what I hate about the college football playoff. Take Ohio State out of the discussion. Generally, I hate the college football playoff because I hate dishonesty. And the college football playoff has succeeded in hoodwinking everyone into this idea that it's set up to be like super fair to everyone and that we all we care about is the four best teams. It's all we care about is the four best teams. You cannot make me believe that Ohio State is in this because it's Ohio State. Would Iowa State be in at 6-0? Would Washington State be in? Would Arizona State be in? Would Michigan State be in 6-0? I don't think so. I think the, the game amount would matter. But I think Ohio State is in partially because of who it was a year ago, and a lot of those guys are back, and because it's Ohio State. It'll turn on a ton of TV sets and all that stuff. The biggest misnomer out there is that the college football playoff was created 
because the BCS was imperfect or flawed. No, the college football playoff was created because the BCS had no human failsafe. It had no human firewall. The numbers were the numbers. The polls, the computer rankings, the numbers were the numbers. You couldn't argue with the numbers. You could argue with the fact that the formula may not weigh this and that and the other and la, la, la. But everybody played by the same rules in the college football, uh, you know, BCS era. Now, and this is why they came up with this system, is because one year in the BCS, if Boise State had not lost to Nevada, Boise State would have played for the national championship. And there was another year where the Fiesta Bowl was TCU and Boise State. And those two were, late in the year, very close to finishing 1-2 in a country in the BCS. And that would have absolutely, (laughs) that would have absolutely scalded the SEC and the Big Ten and the Big 12 and probably to a lesser extent the other leagues. They had to come up with a way to stop that from happening. And the perfect way to do that was to have a human committee that never answers questions. You notice you never hear from a committee member all year, and you never hear from them after they're on the committee. You only hear from the stooge they bring out, like Gary Barta from Iowa right now, and he never answers a question. He talks all around in circles, all around in circles, all around in circles. I mean, it's just like, you know, who knows what matters in that room? Because I'll tell you what matters in that room. Brand and TV ratings. That's what matters in that room. And who's friends with who? That's what matters. Cincinnati had no friends in that room. Texas A&M had no friends in that room. But Bama, Clemson, Ohio State, Notre Dame? I mean, you throw those four into a hat and add Oklahoma to the mix, okay? So you got those five schools, Oklahoma, Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State, and how many births of the 28 college football playoff bursts do you think have gone to those five schools? It's over 20. It's over 20, okay? No, it's 20, exactly. Those five schools, Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State, Notre Dame, Oklahoma, have taken 20 of 28 possible berths since the playoffs began in 2014. So it's set up to get those teams in. And they're getting in. Uh, So if you're a have, it's great. If you're a have not, it stinks. And I'm I'm enough of a contrarian and enough of a person who doesn't... I don't like to be lied to. I just don't like to be lied to. I don't like these committee dudes telling me, oh, no... It's all just, uh, we don't play any favorites. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. And you can't argue with Bama because they beat everybody this year. And I don't know how. I mean, when they lost Jalen Waddell, I thought, man, that's going to impact them. But it hasn't. And I don't know if Jalen Waddell will be back or not. He was hobbling around on the sidelines the other night. But, man, are they good with Devontae Smith and Mac Jones and their tight end. and They just outscore you. They just outscore you, and Clemson is really good, too. Ohio State feels like there's something missing with this team. Like, they just don't, and that could be good. 
that could be like, hey, we're saving our best for last, dude. And they might be. They might be peaking. Wouldn't surprise me at all to see them come out and just absolutely look way better than they've looked so far this season. But it's a weird year, and um, I'm glad we got it in, but, boy, it's just been so full of fits and starts. And on the Big Ten side, just these poor players and Coach Coach Day and his staff, they've just been – they've been dis- – there's been a disservice done all these guys. And if I'm one of the guys in the Big Ten that had to sit 21 days, Graham Mertz from Wisconsin, the quarterback, and others, and now Kevin Warren goes, eh, well, you know, eh, 17's probably good enough. Man, I'm suing the pants off the Big Ten. I'm suing the pants off of them for keeping me out of games and for denying me opportunities to impress pro scouts. I just have, I have nothing but... Um, trying to keep it a faith podcast... I have nothing but uh, uncomplimentary things to say about the the abysmal leadership of Kevin Warren and his gratuitous virtue signaling on his 21-day protocols and his six-game minimums. And, oh, well, it's going to bother Ohio State, so let's make it a five-game minimum. And, oh, why? It's going to keep guys out of the game? Oh, let's make it a 17-day minimum. I mean, that's just like the man has no courage of his convictions and and he's just, he made stupid rules, and uh, he's going to get away with making stupid rules because he doesn't bear the consequence of having his stupid rules keep his team out of the playoffs. Not that it should have, but I just I just hate the fact he's going to get away with being a an abysmal leader because that'll show up in the future some way, shape, or form. Tonight, the Cleveland Browns, yes, I'm taping this on Sunday, the Cleveland Browns won their 10th game. It's only the second time they've won 10 games since they came back into being in 1999. Uh, Not the greatest victory ever. Giants with uh, young Colt McCoy, former Brown quarterback, and Freddie Kitchens, former Browns head coach, just last season. Uh, With the Giants, Freddie was calling the plays tonight, and I don't know that Freddie called that (laughs) ridiculous fake fake field goal, whatever that was, on the first Giants possession. And then I don't know if that was Freddie's call to like run in the middle on fourth and two later, but if the Giants kicked those two field goals, a little bit more of a game. Browns were efficient. Baker Mayfield was phenomenal. Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, all the guys you'd count on. They're a good football team. They're a really good football team. And they should beat the Giants. They, they, they did beat the Giants. They should beat the Jets uh, on Sunday. And who knows the Steelers after that. Steelers probably be resting. They might win that one, too. They could win 12 games and end the long playoff drought. But they went to the playoffs under Butch Davis in 2004. Have not been back since. Bengals played tonight against the Pittsburgh Steelers. So good luck to the Bengals. Uh, Buckeye Hoop Squad on Saturday gets a nice win over UCLA and Mick Cronin. And I wrote about this on PressProsMagazine.com. Got to see more Zed Key. Got to see more Eugene Brown. Like the way those guys play. Zed Key, in my opinion, could start for Ohio State right now and would make them a better team. Kyle Young is struggling, and Kyle off the bench would be a great energy guy. I'd be fine with that move. Don't know if they'll do it, but I'd be fine with that move. Eugene Brown has the capability, I think, to give them more than he has been asked to give them so far. He hit three threes on Saturday, two big ones 
I think, on back-to-back possessions near the five-minute mark that helped them go ahead of UCLA and then gain a little separation from UCLA. And Key had a big block, rebound, put back. Both guys played. Here's the deal. And this was the thrust of my story on Press Pros. When Chris Holtman got the job, everybody wondered, can this guy recruit? That's the big thing. Thad could recruit, but Thad's recruiting fell off. Can this guy recruit? So when Chris Holtman came in, there was one guy he had to have out of the state of Ohio, Alonzo Gaffney. Had to have him. Best player in Ohio. Top 50 player in the country. Better get him. If you don't get him, shows weakness. Can't guard the state's borders. So he got Gaffney. Then he goes into Bettendorf, Iowa, and he gets DJ Carton, and everybody's like, whoa, not only can he like close the borders of Ohio, but he got Carton's a legit top 50 point guard, top 50 player, rather, top 10 point guard. And that was great. You know, we got this great class. He got EJ Liddell, a two-time player of the year in Chicago. It's like, whoa, this guy's a monster recruiter. Well, then that class kind of fell apart last year when Gaffney never figured it out, and Carton wigged out and stopped stop going to class and stop playing and then, um, you know, left the team for, quote, quote, mental health reasons, unquote. And I'm very glad to see DJ playing this year at Marquette. He's a, he's a really great kid and a great basketball player. And I'm jealous he's not playing for Ohio State because, man, he'd take Ohio State to another level. But I'm thrilled he's out there playing. But this is how recruiting is. You know, you get the kids you have to get, and then it's like an arranged marriage. Like, <laughs> there are some arranged marriages that probably work great, but there are others that are whoo, rocky, and they don't last very long. Gaffney and Carton proved to be not great fits for what the program wants to do and for the kind of kid that excels under Chris Holtman. Now, that doesn't mean star players won't excel under Chris Holtman. E.J. Liddell's a star player. McKaylee Branham, this kid they're bringing in next year, he's a star player. Michi Johnson, who just joined the team and I hope gets minutes pretty quick, he's a star player. So he can coach the great player, but the great player has to have a certain something to him. He can't be like, you can't care all about the league before he plays in the conference. You get me? So Carton and Gaffney, their butts were here, their minds were somewhere else. Gotta have your butt and your mind here. And Key and Brown are those kinds of guys. They're the eighth ranked recruiting class in the Big Ten, and they're gonna make a much bigger contribution than that to the Buckeyes. And hopefully Wednesday when they play Rutgers, Rutgers a top twenty team, when they play Rutgers at four thirty PM. As you know, the official attorney firm of the We Tackle Life podcast is Willis Spangler Starling. They're located in Hilliard on Truman Boulevard. This is that time of year where, you know, you may be thinking, oh, I'm getting another year older. My kids are, this is the last, like for us, this is the last year we're going to have our oldest with us here at home. Next, you know, she's soon going to be going to college. Life changes. You accumulate things. You accumulate responsibilities. Do you have a will? Are you set? for probate in case the worst thing would happen. If you're not, you want to make those choices yourself. You don't want other people to make those choices for you. It's just a kind of thing that happens in life that we don't plan for that you really wish you had an attorney ahead of time. So now would be the time to take care of that and to get an attorney firm to vet several and just give Willis Spangler Starling a chance to impress you the way they have impressed me. WillisAttorneys.com, WillisAttorneys.com.
com. Okay, I uh, did talk to Spiels today, um, and he's enjoying his new role with the Lions. He is a very busy man with the Lions, and um, that's about all I can tell you because um, there's not too much else to tell. He's, uh, he's going to do great, and I'm excited for him, and I miss him, and uh, we had great fun here, and I'll miss him even in his, uh, <laughs> his habit of coming at crazy early hour and uh, the laughter that we had and all that kind of stuff. So when he was on the podcast, we released a special uh, edition last week on Tuesday, which we recorded on Monday because we knew Chris was his announcement with the Lions as their, what is he, special assistant to the president, CEO, and owner. We knew that was going to happen. The Lions were going to announce that Tuesday. So we recorded a podcast last Monday so you guys could hear in Chris's own words how excited he is about that opportunity. And we released that Tuesday afternoon. Um, he said in that podcast that he would like for me to do an extended piece at some point in time on fear. And I had never thought about that before, but I have been thinking a lot about it since he mentioned that to me. And I've been um, searching the scriptures some as I read in the morning, as I go through Proverbs and uh, some of the New Testament books that I'm reading right now, uh, looking for things uh, with that word, fear, or that emotion uh, in them. And so, as uh, I transition into the faith portion of the podcast, which a lot of you guys have said you want to uh, have me continue, and I appreciate that very much, I was reading recently in Proverbs 14, and there are two verses back-to-back that I wanted to share with you. Proverbs 14, 26, and 27. Proverbs 20, uh, 14, 26. He who fears the Lord has a secure fortress, and for his children it will be a refuge. And then the next verse is, The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life, turning a man from the snares of death. Okay, so fear is a word that has two very different meanings in biblical context. There is fear, like in Luke 2, when the angel appeared to the shepherd, shepherds on the hillside on the night of Jesus' birth. That's the kind of fear that we can all identify with. We have it when we are um, seeing the end of our mortality. We have it uh, of the unknown. It's fear uh, equates to, you know, being afraid. And here in Luke 2, the shepherds were out in the fields keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. So the shepherds had been, only had, the only Bible they had was Old Testament prophecy. Old Testament prophecy was that God would send a Messiah, a deliverer, a Christ, chosen one, 
And that was what the angels were telling him. Well, the angels fill up the sky, and these guys are terrified. But that's not the kind of emotion, that's not the kind of reaction that Solomon is talking about in Proverbs 14.26 when he says, He who fears the Lord has a secure fortress, and for his children it will be a refuge. And then in 27, the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life, turning a man from the snares of death. The fear that Solomon is talking about is synonymous with reverence, respect. He who reverences the Lord, he who respects the Lord, has a secure fortress, and for his children it will be a refuge. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. He who has an appropriate view of God, a reverence for God, a reverence, a respect for who God is and who I am not, that will be a fountain of his life, turning a man from the snares of death. This is this use of the term fear in that way is a very common occurrence in the the books of Pro, the book of Proverbs, the chapters of Proverbs. There are thirty-one chapters of Proverbs. I read a chapter every day. Usually, I go back and read over the previous two days, and then read a new chapter. And I noticed a few months ago how often that term came up, the fear of the Lord, meaning reverence, respect, an awareness of who God is, his majesty, his glory, his sovereignty, his authority relative to my puny humanness, my, mortal, my mortal you know, inferiority to him mentally and just every which way how inferior I am to him. And who am I that he would love me so much and desire a relationship with me that he would give his son to cleanse me of my sins so that I could have fellowship with him, not just here on earth, but eternally in heaven. That causes me to reverence him and to esteem him. (coughs) Excuse me. And there are many, many instances in Proverbs where this comes up, and it talks about what having that view of God gains you as a person, as a disciple, as a follower of Jesus Christ. Proverbs 8.13, to fear the Lord is to hate evil. Of course, if you reverence God, If you esteem God and you prioritize the things that God prioritizes, you will hate evil. Proverbs 9.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That's so true. Like, if you do not have an awareness of your position relative to God's grandeur, relative to God's glory, relative to God's authority, If you do not have a reverence for that, a respect for that, an awareness of where you rank and how far you are from God, then how could you ever be a wise person? You could not. You would be a fool. Proverbs 9.10 makes that clear. The fear of the Lord, the reverence for the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So I like to go through Proverbs, and I like to jot these things down. I have a page in my journal where I, every time I come across that phrase, the fear of the Lord and what it brings, I write it down. And I'm now working on that thing that Chris asked me to work on, which was an extended presentation on fear. Because we are in an era of 
an abundance of fear. And I am I want to apologize to you that I have not always been as respectful of your fears that I do not share about COVID or about other things. And I realize that it's maybe very easy for me to talk a big spiritual game when I'm not going through some of the imminent challenges that some of you are experiencing. Um, My goal is to equip you to tackle life. My goal is to contribute to a greater peace in your heart because you are equipped, enlightened, inspired by God's word and hopefully by the way that I relate it and that Chris and I have related it so that you can persevere, so that you can triumph, so that you can withstand, so that you can endure, all those things. So that's what I really want to do, and I would, um, I'm a work in progress, as I've said many times, and as Chris and I have said many times, I am, um, I do not want to be an impediment to someone else devoting more of their life to serving God. And um, I'm fully aware that I have a manner that can um, put some people off. And um, you may strongly disagree with my takes on sports or politics or whatever. Um, I'm trying to find the balance between sharing what I strongly believe through God's impact on my life, his pruning away my bad points and buffing off my rough spots. I'm trying to share what I think he wants me to share about life, culture, entertainment, news, sports, and the Bible. And um, I want to do it well. I want to do it to your benefit. I want to do it to his glory. So the extent that you would pray for me in that regard, I would appreciate it very, very much, uh, as I would appreciate you guys um, letting me know what you want this podcast to be. What's the uh, what's your vision for it? Because I want to keep doing it to speak to you in ways that are meaningful and helpful. Um, I've talked a bit about Hemisphere. I've talked a bit about Willis Spangler Starling, uh, our other sponsor. They are just such great people. Chrissy and Steve at AUI Info. I love them so much. They are so much fun to talk to about life and their kids and their business and the way they shepherd their employees through these tough times and what's the insurance industry going to look like going forward in the new administration. I don't know, but I just know that you never are wrong to affiliate with good people and man, they're good people. And I just, you know, if you need some guidance on health insurance, that's their, that's their sweet spot, man. And they view it as a way to serve people. They really do. They, they, bond with their clients and you don't pay them. They're paid by the people that they decide would be a good fit for your company or for you individually. So, um, it can all be done online. 
can all be done safely. AUINFO.com, health insurance brokerage, can also help you with HR issues for your business. They're they're just they're just the best, and um, I think so much of them on a personal level and as parents and uh, and as servants. So I'll wrap it up, trying to uh, keep it to around uh, under forty five minutes a day. And if you'd like to hear more of this voice, um, that's great. Uh, you can catch me every weekday, Monday through Friday at 989theanswer, 989theanswer.com from 5 to 7. I will have a show today, Monday, and then uh, the 21st of December, and then I'll be taking off until after the first of the year. So uh, that's the plan for the radio show. The podcast will continue. We've got uh, a Clemson, Ohio State Round four, round three, one, two, three, round three. I think they've played, they played in a famous Woody Hayes game. They played in the Orange Bowl when Sammy Watkins went crazy. They played 31 to nothing to Sean Watson, and they played this. This is the fifth time. I'm since 4 0. So we got that to preview. So uh, I hope you all have a great day, and um, I look forward to talking to you again very, very soon. Take care. God bless.